Hello, I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and welcome to In Conversation With, the podcast series that delves into the world of financial services and brings you face-to-face with some of the most notable figures in the industry. Listen as we discuss topics that are currently facing the industry and hear from visionary CEOs to disruptive innovators as we bring you a diverse array of voices and perspectives. We'll explore the challenges they faced, the lessons they've learned, and the insights they have to share about the ever-evolving landscape of financial services. Hello and welcome to the Money Marketing Podcast. I'm Kimberly Dondo and in today's podcast, I'm joined by Janet Mui, Head of Market Analysis at RBC Bruin Dolphin. Thank you for joining me today, Janet. Thanks, Kimberly, for having me. Okay, so Janet, could you give a bit of a background on you and how you got started out in financial services? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm currently head of market analysis at RBC uh, Burned Open. And my background is actually a macroeconomist. So mm-hmm. I joined um, Casanova Capital uh, for nine years and I was that global economist. So basically tracking economic developments and linking that to investment strategy. Mm-hmm. And um, I am very uh, lucky to join Burned Open as an investment director. So my role was to uh, basically, I mean, similarly looking at the macro picture, but talking to clients more often and mm-hmm. also being a spokesperson for a company. So uh, going to various media interviews uh, mm-hmm. regularly. And uh, I mean, I, I love uh, economics. I studied mm-hmm. economics uh, mm-hmm. during my undergraduate yeah. And I also have uh, um, MBA in finance as well. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, so you have a breadth of knowledge, um, especially on the topic that we're about to talk about right now. So uh, I'll just kind of get started with the questions that I have. And um, I think first up, we can start by asking, how would you assess, you know, the surprise 50 basis point rate increase delivered by the Bank of England and what implications does it have for the overall market and the economy? Well, I think, um, yes, it was a surprise, but not too surprising. I think we got the 50 basis point after the higher than expected inflation figures in the UK. Mm. And then the wage growth figure was very strong as well. So I think the Bank of England is... Uh, clearly behind the curve and behind, say, the Federal Reserve in raising interest rates. It has been making smaller moves compared to, say, the Federal Reserve. And I think it is playing catch up. So I think, yeah, I think uh, it it was a bit uh, of a panicky move. And I I think and I think Mm -hmm. they actually put out a statement and they sounded a bit empathetic to the situation. They know that this is going to cause more pain for households. Um, mm. They highlighted that, yes, we know this is painful, but we have to do it because we have to bring inflation down. So mm. I guess we'll just have to expect more rate increases from here because inflation is just so much higher in the UK. Yeah, yeah. And I guess we'll just be feeling that pain for a bit longer. Um, and you previously mentioned that the Bank of England's um, decision to double down on its fight against inflation comes after, you know, red hot inflation and wage data. Um, so how do you interpret um, the current state of inflation and its impact on the economy? Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned, the inflation figures in the UK is particularly high and sticky. And I think there are a number of factors. 
first of all, is the energy story, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, we have this peculiar price cap mechanism that makes the transmission of lower wholesale energy prices much slower in the UK. So、mm-hmm. I think that really is one of the factors we are seeing higher than expected inflation. And the other one is we have. A、uh, very tight labor market. We actually、mm-hmm. lose lost a lot of uh, uh, workers right during the pandemic, and、right. they are slowly coming back, but not as many has come back as people have hoped.、Uh, mm-hmm. So it has driven up wages. Our wage growth is much higher than in the U.S. at the moment. I think that、okay. could be due to Brexit. That could be due to the pandemic. A, a lot of structural impact there, which makes inflation harder to come down. Mm. And of course, there are other factors, which like Brexit. There are lots of red tapes,、uh, particularly in the goods trade side of things, that fundamentally makes inflation harder to come down. So I think the impact on the economy is that first of all, high inflation is very bad for the economy. Households are more squeezed; they、mm-hmm. could spend less. Um, after eroded by inflation,、mm-hmm. and also with the higher interest rate that we are observing, it is going to have a bigger toll、uh, going forward. I mean, we're not actually observing most of that detrimental impact yet because we are we we have many mortgages that are on fixed terms and they have、mm-hmm. yet to come to refinance. So we have to acknowledge that going forward, when more and more households refinance, that would be. Um, um, Increasing negative impacts on consumer spending.、Um, so yes, I'm afraid if interest rates were to keep going higher, so a lot of people expect now interest rate may go up to six percent.、Mm. So if we reach that kind of level, I think a recession is is very likely. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay.、Um, so you mentioned before that the Bank of England. Has been a bit slower on the take compared to you know the Federal Reserve, as you said before, and they have faced、um, quite a bit of scrutiny and doubts regarding their forecasting、um, credentials. So, in light of this, how does the rate hike reflect on the Bank of England's commitments to its mandate? Yeah, I, I mean, I have a bit of sympathy on the forecasting ability of the Bank of England. Obviously, it, it has been terrible, but we also have to acknowledge. The economic situation has been so uncertain. Look at the fluctuations in the wholesale gas prices. It,、mm-hmm. it is very hard for them to、um, predict. And also, they only update their forecast, official forecast, like once a quarter.、Mm-hmm. They can't keep up with, say, the satellite economists that can update their forecast anytime they want. Right.、Um, so you know, I think th- there's a bit of that. But ultimately, we we also feel that they have been slow in hiking interest rates. They should have done it. Faster and earlier, so、mm. uh, I think they lost a bit of credibility on that. And also, I also feel that they do know that、um, the UK is very interest rate sensitive. As in, some of our mortgages are two-year fixed, for example. Whereas,、mm. say in the US, most are thirty-year fixed mortgages. So the interest rate pass-through will eventually come. They know that it is going to cause pain. So I think that's why they have been a bit more considerate previously. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, they want to manage、uh, the inflation without a recession. That's the best hope. So they have been considerate, but ultimately they realize it is difficult. So that's why、mm-hmm. they are now, you know, going to be more aggressive because they already highlighted 
sorry, it is going to be painful, but we have to do it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And um, you previously were talking about mortgage holders and what um, the consequences might be further down the line. But um, for our audience of financial advisors, uh, when they are kind of dealing with um, uh, their uh, clients who have floating rate mortgages or the ones who have fixed rates who may experience the shock when it comes to refinancing mm-hmm. later on, what would your words of wisdom be for them when they're talking to these clients in those situations, in those two kind of separate situations? Yes, I think it is going to be a very difficult discussion. I mean, the interest rate, it is what it is. If you have to refinance, then you will definitely be refinancing at a much higher rate. It will mm. be more difficult uh, for your personal finances. And if you're already on floating rate mortgage, of course, you're having this periodic increase in your pain. So um, it is never uh, an easy conversation, but it, it is important. I think um, for the remortgaging a decision or whether you want to fix two or five or whatever, it, it can be a pretty personal decision, I think. Mm. Um, what I think what we can tell clients objectively is that we can guide them where interest rates may be heading, right? So okay. that is that is a, a factual, more factual thing. So it is a difficult call, obviously. We don't know what will happen, but we can do our best in referencing the market pricing of interest rates, for instance. And what we look at, uh, for example, is the overnight index swap uh, curve. And that basically gives an idea of what market thinks the UK interest rate will be from now all the way to the next 50 years. (laughs) Of course, we don't need to go so far. We can focus on, say, the next five years. So we can tell them, for instance, right now, when I look at my Bloomberg screen, mm-hmm. one year later, interest rate expected by markets is 6.1%. Right. Two years later, still high, still above 6%. But in five years' time, market think that UK interest rates will come back down to about 5.3%. So ultimately, we expect high interest rates in the near term. But if you look at you know, a three to five year horizon, we expect interest rates to actually come back down because inflation ultimately will have to come down. Either we have a recession and inflation um, you know, will have to inevitably come down. Well, I, don't, I cannot foresee inflation being at this kind of 8% level year after year. Yeah. So I think you can tell the client these kind of Fact, factual data that you get from the market pricing and to to see and you know what are the personal circumstances what is their preference so i think that's the the first that we can communicate with them right yeah yeah mm-hmm. definitely um all you have is your forecast and the figures that are in front of you so i guess that makes sense um and it has been previously said that, you know, the inflation beast is difficult to kill without the pain of a recession, which to some may be terrifying and bring back flashbacks from, you know, 2008 or even earlier. Um, so what strategies would you recommend financial advisors utilize to navigate the current inflationary environment and its potential consequences? Yes, I think um, there are a few steps that we can take to to communicate with our clients i think well it is very important to to reiterate that 
inflation mm-hmm. is is you know is a beast. It is more than it's more important than ever that you you have to review your financial situation. Your savings mm-hmm. are being eroded by inflation, right? So take a look at the personal finances of your client. I think reviewing your income and expenditure is important. It will give mm-hmm. you a, an idea of whether your plans are still achievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may think uh, you may fi- find that your expenditure is still within your budget, and you can maintain or even increase how much you're saving each month. Or actually, it may be that you're overspending, and you actually need to make some adjustments. So mm-hmm. I think you you need to review, uh, sit down, and take a deep look of, at your personal finances. So uh, that that is the first step, very important. And for savings, right? I mentioned savings is eroded mm. by inflation. So mm. I think, I mean, what can you do? I mean, right now, interest rates are actually better on offer, but it's still quite important to actually shop around for the best interest rate available, right? Right. So um, if you have large amounts of money, a difference of... A, you know, a few basis point, it, it can still have an impact on how mm. much interest you can earn, for instance. And of course, with regards to savings, the rule of thumb is you at least have six months worth of uh, essential expenditure saved as mm-hmm. an emergency fund. So that's unchanged. And of course, you can keep it in an easy asset savings account where you can instantly withdraw if it's needed. However, I think to fight inflation, anything above that emergency fund, I think you should consider moving that portion into investment. Because over mm-hmm. time, historically, time time and time again is proven that the most effective investment that can beat inflation over a long period of time, it has been equities, for example. But of course, right. you have to be very comfortable that your investment may fall or rise in value, but I think it's really worth communicating to your clients that to fight inflation, you need to have some portion of your funds into a risk asset, for example. Mm -hmm. And for example, once you have considered where you invest your money, how much you save, then you consider the tax efficiency of your Mm -hmm. portfolio, right? right? And of course, we all know ISA and pension are very tax-efficient instruments, which can help boost the uh, future value of your savings and investment. So I think mm. these steps are, are pretty fundamental. Yeah. And um, I was looking through uh, your LinkedIn and all of your qualifications, which are very impressive, by the way. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but um, I did notice that you do have kind of um, an interest in ESG as well. So yeah. um, this is kind of a curveball I was just mm-hmm. throwing out there. I just mm-hmm. wondered what your thoughts are on e- ESG funds during this time will they will are they impactful when it comes to people's investment portfolio or do you see people taking a step back from their care for ESG? Yeah, I think uh, generally our investment process at RBC Burundofen we incorporate um, ESG into our portfolios and investment mm-hmm. process, but it is uh, with varying degree. So mm-hmm. our overall investment process take into account ESG because fundamentally we think that ESG adds value to your mm-hmm. long-term investments because mm-hmm. if a company is um, scores high on governance, for example, you can have a reasonable prediction that this company is well-managed 
Yeah. And there, there are so many environmental risks out there. And if the company actually tries to manage the transition to net zero, they, they avoid environmental risk, they potentially future returns could be better. And you may be penalized if you actually don't care uh, care about the environment or you don't care about the social aspects, right? So, so it's embedded in our investment process. But for those clients who are particularly um, interested in ESG, then mm-hmm. of course there are investments that cater for that, which for example, there, uh, there are specific considerations that you invest purely in companies that score very high mm-hmm. or that aligns with your ESG interests. I think those, to be fair, those funds or those stocks, it hasn't done as well in the past year or so because those stocks are generally high growth areas because ESG is generally providing a solution to the current world problem. So those are usually more innovative, more growth type of companies. So that's why you may realize those funds or stocks haven't been performing as well. But I think, you know, one year's performance is is not going to dictate what is going to be the long-term value. So I think we we still believe that this is a factor that is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over the long term, it will it will continue to generate um, good returns. Uh, but I think overall, it really depends on how deep you are into this ESG commitment. There mm-hmm. should be a range of solutions that should be on offer. Yeah, yeah. And um, so finally, in light of the evolving economic landscape and the likelihood of further rate increases, of you, as you mentioned, um, how can financial advisors effectively communicate and prepare their clients for potential market volatility and economic changes or economic challenges? I know you mentioned some techniques before, but is there any other aspects they can be tapping into? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, first of all, uh, the investment challenge, right? So rising mm-hmm. interest rates is generally considered negative for mm-hmm. risk asset. We have seen equities, for example, falling in value and actually bonds as well last year, right? But right. in the grand scheme of things, it is not going to change the case for long-term investing, right? So we have to understand and communicate that the economy tends to go through various stages. Uh, it is a cycle after all. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it can be there, there are good times and there are bad times. Um, and I think the gold standard of how we navigate these uncertainty and volatility is to have a diversified portfolio. Uh, I know it, it may seem a boring advice, but it works. <laughs> and <laughs> it basically a diversified portfolio is you know, investing money across different regions and asset classes, right? And history shows us that long-term, these asset classes tend to perform better than just holding your money in cash. So it can mitigate the impacts of rising inflation over time. So mm-hmm. I think while well, diversification is absolutely important, which I believe many advisors are already doing for their clients, but it's yeah. al- always worth uh, taking uh, a review. And also I think um, it's very important. It's very natural to feel worried uh, about the impact of economic events on your portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think we have been through COVID times when markets yes. were in a bear market in a very short span of time, followed by a quick recovery. We have been through the war in Ukraine where uh, gas prices rose you know, 10, 20 times, and then now back to where it was. So yeah. uh, we have to understand these volatility happens, but it is important not to make a hasty decision, which mm. potentially can cost you in the very long term. So I think, well, we can never foresee these kind of shocks, but that's why we mentioned at the very beginning your emergency cash fund. Yeah. If you have time and the, the cash set aside, you're investing, um, it can stand the, the test of time. So I think that's a very important message. Mm-hmm. And for, I think specifically, I think for retirees or people who are going to retire, mm. uh, this is obviously going to pose a bigger issue, right? So yeah. inflation and the market volatility. So I think that's another consideration that financial advisors need to take particular care, take particular care. So, mm-hmm. well, we think, I think it, it means that it is very important for financial advisors to do a, a check, the health uh, financial health check for these people. Yeah, uh, I think they need to, for example, they can take advantage of financial planning tools like cash flow modeling that will mm-hmm. give you a better picture of how inflation can affect your clients' savings and spending and are they going to last? Uh, throughout your retirement. So I think the more information and the clearer the cash flow picture that you have, the better you can assist your client in um, adjusting their financial plans and planning ahead. So I think it is particularly important for retirees. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I could not imagine thinking that I want to retire in a year or so and looking at the landscape and just being terrified, but having yeah. a good financial advisor to navigate that using cash flow yeah. modeling would probably ease some of that. Yes. Um, so yeah, definitely very good advice. Um, but thank you so much for speaking with me today, Janet. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Kimberly. I enjoyed the discussion a lot. I hope it'll be helpful to all the financial advisors. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening to In Conversation With. We do hope that you enjoyed it. Please do keep up to date with all our new releases via Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts from. You can also keep up to date with all our new content published on the Money Marketing website, as well as our print edition, Money Marketing Magazine. So make sure to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. See you next time.